you. Hey, we're turning to chapter one of the story, or in your Bible, Genesis one. The title of our, our series is Supernatural Redemption, God's Story, Your Story. The message of the whole Bible is a message of redemption. The faith narratives of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation are testimonies of God's goodness and grace to his people. And we're blood-bought into being his people so that the testimonies of the Bible are Jesus, or the, uh, John in Revelation says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So all the blessings of, of the faith narratives of the stories of the Bible, the faith there is that they're testimonies of what God has done for the people involved then and for all of us down through the ages as we, in, in faith, uh, receive and celebrate the promises of God and the blessings that are on his people down through the ages. They're our family, our testimony. It's a book of testimonies. So we love the Bible. The title of this message today, as we begin our series, is In the Beginning, God. In the Beginning, God. As we look at Genesis 1, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one essence. It challenges our reasoning, our logic. But you know, I love what St. Augustine said about the Trinity. He said, words are so limited to describe and to define what the Trinity is, but the option is not to define or describe it at all, because that's all we have for communication is words. So the early council said three persons in one essence, and that's what I believe. We see... We see God the Father breathing life into his new son, Adam. We see Jesus, the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us through Jesus. And we see the Spirit of God brooding across the face of the waters. All three persons of the Trinity I am sure in the fellowship of the Trinity, there's this amazing delight in the goodness of themselves and their glory as, they, as re, they release their creativity for the sake of us. In all the creation of the universe, we don't subscribe to scientism, which, just, which says we're just a random nothing in the midst of, of uh, the universe. We are actually the planet that's the center of, the, of, of theology in the universe. <laughs> and we are the people, the blood-bought ones, that are the center of the planet. And, and God totally gives us his gift of significance. And he, and, and he started that with Adam. You know, speaking of Adam, a different kind of Adam, <laughs> little chemistry reminder here. You know that Jesus and the Father and the Son, they're so creative. And do you know that once 
an artist, always an artist. My wife Brenda was telling me this week, I'm so stir-crazy because I haven't done any artwork in a long time. I've got to get a pad and get, and get going on some more artwork. It's in her blood. To, she's not happy unless she's doing constantly artwork in some way or other. And God the Father is that way too. He just didn't set things in motion in Genesis 1. He is constantly creating. He made us. He made you. He created. He created you. And, um, and the Bible says in Colossians, by him, everything in creation consists. By him, Jesus, all things consist. So in, a, in Adam, uh, the atom in which everything is made, you know that there's electrons with a negative charge that circle around the, the uh, nucleus of the atom, right? And in the, in the nucleus of the atom, you have protons with a positive charge. And the electrons are attracted to the positive charge in the, in the, um, in the nucleus of the atom. That's why the atom holds together, except there's one problem. The, 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 the positive charges in the nucleus of the atom should repel each other. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what happens everywhere else. The, the positive charges, like a magnet, you know, the positive ends... It, but it doesn't. Why? They refer to it as the strong nuclear force because they don't know why it happens. That's stronger than, than the, the natural force of, being, of them repelling. And I want to suggest to you that that strong nuclear force in every atom in the material world is Jesus Christ. By him, all things hold together, the Bible says. <laughs> so... If Jesus ever left the building, we'd be in real trouble. <laughs> you know, if he left creation, everything would just fall apart. It wouldn't hold together. He is holding me together right now. And you. He's such a great creator. In the beginning, verse 1 of Genesis 1, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. My first talking point is, in the beginning, God's creation itself is a supernatural redemption story. When you read Genesis 1, you're impressed with how positive everything is. There's, the creation story is so very, very refreshingly positive. You have a sense that God was really enjoying himself in this creation, he was infinitely happy in the days of creation. He couldn't help but saying, it is good, it is good, it is good. In the last day, man, this is very good. The reformer, Jonathan Edwards, in the first great awakening in England and in the, in the, uh, in the colonies in the mid-1700s, said that the creation story itself is so profoundly expressive. Creation itself is so profoundly expressive of the redemptive love of God in Jesus Christ. And when you consider even the beauty of color, have you ever seen those videos on YouTube where someone who has some kind of uh, defect in their eyes, uh, only seeing black and white, get these special glasses, and all of a sudden they see color? What do they do? They're so, they're so in awe, they actually start crying often. It's such a beautiful thing. Color's 
a wonderful gift to us. And, it, and, uh, and it's because of the creation of light that's along the light spectrum, reflecting back to us. And God enjoyed making light. I think it's so cool that in Genesis chapter 1 on the first day, God created light and he didn't even create the sun, the moon, and the stars till the fourth day. It's like Jesus, the light of the world, and, and Jesus, the light that lights every man who's coming into the world. In the fellowship of the Trinity, they decide to say, you know what? Let's express the light of Jesus on day one, and then we'll, 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 we'll get to a, 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 an expression of, of, of light later on day four. But let's get light, light into the picture right now. And, then, and that, of course, means color. Did you, when you come to Christ, notice that the, that the colors of nature were so profoundly more beautiful than ever? I know I did. Jesus Christ says in John 10, verse 10, in the New Testament, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I see that in Genesis 1, the abundant life of God, the creation of light on day one, the creation of water in the firmament on day two, the creation of the seas and land and the green coming forth on day three, the creation of the, the, uh, the sun, the, the moon, the stars, God breathing, galaxies <laughs> on day four, the creation of the varied vast array of animals that didn't they were all peaceful in their relationships with each other on day five um, and no violence uh, amongst the animals and and on day six the crowning achievement God didn't speak and man came into being like every other thing he created God was personally involved in creating man out of dust in his own image God draws close to man in intimacy, the man he had made. And he breathes life, and man becomes a living soul. And the first experience that man experiences is the presence of dad in intimacy. Spirit to spirit. And Adam knows, this is life to me. God has given me life. And you know, ever since then, there's some horrible loss if we aren't relating to God as Father. And there's a profound loss if we don't relate to God as Father. And one of the things, the main thing that God is doing in terms of redeeming us by the blood of Jesus Christ is restoring us to that moment where we have that intimate spirit-to-spirit communion with Dad, with our Father in heaven. And it's a wonder of wonders that we have this electrifying, joyous experience of dad with our God in heaven, our Father in heaven. And through Christ, we have been restored to that intimacy. And it's something to praise God for and thank him for every single day. We're wired for dad. We're wired to experience and fellowship and worship it's the law of our being to receive and to praise 
receive from him and love from him and give back love to him. This is why we were made. And it is an exaltation of heart and the ultimate fulfillment and joy to have this amazingly intense moment um, whenever we choose to as, as, as dear children. And in an ongoing way, we have a spirit-to-spirit connection with, with our Father in heaven that, that um, we've been redeemed back into. We have that relationship with them once again. Jesus said, you've come, have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. And there was an amazing abundance of joy in relationship in the creative order. There was the meeting of his wife, fellowship with his dear wife that God took a rib and created for him a helpmate, a helpmate to share life with. What a joy. Perfect marriage, perfect climate, perfect climate, perfect God prayer walks in the cool of the evening. Don't know what he petitioned or interceded for because there, was, there wasn't any problems. <laughs> Just a full Thanksgiving prayer, I guess. If you don't have a connection with the Father, I'm going to give you a chance at the end of this talk to be able to have that connection through Jesus. I'm going to give you a chance to make a decision to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior at the end of this talk today. So you can be thinking about that. And you can even start praying for God to come into your heart, forgive your sins. He is a dad who wants to do that so much. You can start doing that right now. But at the end, we'll give you a chance for that. Brendan and I love to watch detective shows. I noticed something about detective shows. You've got to watch out when everything is going all of a sudden really, really well and everybody's happy. It's always a signal that the other foot's about to drop. (laughs) Something bad's going to happen. Well, we all know what's about to happen with Adam and Eve, don't we, in the story. Only the difference between Adam and Eve and the detective show turning is that that the re- there is a redemption, uh, the redemption of Christ is, uh, is right smack in the middle of even their greatest tragedy that they've experienced here. My second talking point, in the beginning, God made sure that the human tragedy itself was laced with supernatural blood redemption. In the beginning, God made sure that the human tragedy itself was laced with supernatural Blood redemption. Turn to page four of the story, or Genesis three, verse one and following, and let's let the word of God speak for itself. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And then the servant said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, 
She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And so it begins. So it begins. Immediately, a breakdown of marriage intimacy. Fig leaves, covering, shame. Hiding from God, a breakdown of the cool, wonderful, full 100% fellowship walks in the evenings. They hide themselves from God. What a catastrophically grievous moment. Spiritual death has hit humankind. Blame. Adam, did you eat? I ate because she gave, me, gave the fruit to me. Woman, did you eat? I ate because the serpent. The devil made me do it. Blame. Loss of the garden. Loss of their two firstborn, their, two, their first two children. One through murder and one through the consequences of the murder. Banished. Morphed into every thought continually was evil in the heart of mankind. And it grieved God that he'd made mankind. His heart, God's heart, was filled with pain. And we have the tragedy of Noah's flood. But through this, there is a redemption, redemption's dream I want you to see. All down through history, this great loss that people have experienced. So God <clears throat> says we've got to have a debriefing meeting. Adam, Eve, serpent, front and center, once you here too. Serpent, of course, is a symbol of Satan. And in the course of describing the consequences for Adam, the consequences for Eve, which I don't think we're locked into as blood-bought ones that have the abundant life of Jesus. We can contend in faith for breakthrough in those areas. The curse is reversed. Jesus took the curse, became a curse for us on the cross. So we can be free from this, this curse. But I want you to see what God immediately wants to make sure that Satan knows he's, he's done. Verse 15 is the first, three, chapter 3, verse 15 of Genesis is the first declaration of the coming Messiah, of the coming redemption. And I will put enmity, he says to the serpent, between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, what does that mean? Of course, it means that on the cross, Jesus', Jesus nails went in Jesus' feet. And through the blood redemption of Jesus dying on the cross, Satan's head was bruised. And you know, in the first thousand years of Christian history, the main theology of the atonement was the defeat of Satan. 
and the defeat of Satan's minions, the demons that were plaguing people globally. There are other areas of theology, even the substitutionary atonement of Christ was very clear in the New Testament, but it wasn't emphasized for the first, first thousand years of church history because of this massive focus on the deliverance from Satan that Jesus brought. It was a season for that. It's still very, very true, even though we are celebrating all the other implications of the atonement of Christ as well. There are other pictures here in Genesis that we want to make note of that are expressive of the fact that God has blood-bought us through Jesus. Genesis 3.21, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Made tunics of skin and clothed them. No more fig leaves, no more trying to hide yourself, but we are going to cover you over with robe of righteousness that I will give to you. So in other words, these are symbols of the robe of righteousness that Jesus will give to us. So God looks at us. He doesn't see our sinfulness. He forgives all of our sins, past, present, and future, but he also superimposes the righteousness of Christ on us. So when he sees us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. So is it, it's wonderful to be forgiven, but it's even better to be righteousified. And then on, the, on, on the great banquet in heaven, it's the ones that have the robe, the robes, the white robes that uh, get to stay. And if you're, not, if you're not accessing God through the blood of Christ and through his, righteous, his righteousness rather than your own fig leaves, then you get to, you know, you, if you don't do that, you're cast out of that banquet. People that are trying to do the fig leaf thing and trying to be religious or try to depend on their own good deeds... Or their, or, or their own efforts and are abandoning the, the, the cross of Christ as an access to God, they're, they're in big trouble on that day. But it all starts with this symbol. And how did that, those robes of righteousness come? They came by blood sacrifice. Animals had to die for the robes to be, be able to be given. And throughout the Old Testament, there's this motif of sacrifice, and those are all prophetic pointers to the Lamb of God being sacrificed for your sins and mine. So our sins can be forgiven, past, present, future, entirely forgiven. He shall bruise your head. I even love it that it does, he doesn't say, you shall bruise his heel, but he shall bruise your head. I like it, he couldn't even wait. He's gonna bruise your head. You're gonna bruise his heel. God got right to the chase, cut right to the chase because he was so grieved by what would happen to his people that he loved and that he, this wonderful creation of man and woman that he created and his, this blessing of uh, Eden and the joy of and bliss of that place was, was messed up by this tragic event that happened in their sin and he immediately starts the redeeming process. I believe that at this point, Adam is, um, is, comes alive again spiritually because the reason I do, I'll get to in just a moment. But first, we, we want to say that there are other, another motif of the blood sacrifice is Abel, where he sacrificed uh, an offering that was acceptable to God, and Cain did not. And it was a blood sacrifice, and Cain's wasn't. Cain didn't take the blood sacrifice seriously. His heart was off. And then in Noah, Noah's ark, after the, the flood, and they're back uh, 
time to start over again. First thing that, he, that Noah does is sacrifice uh, clean, some clean animals. So it's blood sacrifice, all pointers to the, what we did with communion today. Blood sacrifice brings us um, blood of Jesus. He's the Passover lamb. So even in the, the horrible moment, we have hope. God gives the promise of Genesis 3.15. And my last talking point, in the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the gift of faith for us to access and thoroughly enjoy the blessing of his promises. Adam's faith, in just a moment I'll read you his faith, was a prototype for the faith narratives of the whole Old and New Testaments, the faith testimonies that are throughout the whole Bible. Start right here with Adam's declaration of faith. They're in the uh, debriefing meeting. There's only bad news except for the promise. But the promise, he shall bruise to the promise. It was a, spoken to Satan, but it was a promise to Adam and Eve. Uh, the seed of the woman will have his heel bruise, but he, the seed of the woman, Jesus, will bruise Satan's head. That promise birthed through the anointing of the Spirit, faith in Adam, and he came alive again spiritually, and he says these words. Adam, verse 20, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. We're in a horrible spot here right now, but because of this promise of blood redemption, I can say to you, you are no longer woman. You are Eve, the mother of all living. In other words, dear, there's total life ahead for you and me and our, uh, our children, our great-grandchildren forever. And my friends, this is what happened down through the ages. There's always been a remnant of the seed of this faith. There's always been faith narrative. Um, throughout the Old Testament, we have Adam and Eve, we have Abel, with his faith, offering the, offering the good sacrifice. Enoch walked with God. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Abraham was righteousified by faith. Faithful Israel, uh, men and women of Israel, not all Israel were chosen, um, but the ones that, that had faith. And then, ultimately, the blessing of God, all the blessings of the Old and New Testament are, um, God says that the blessings of Abraham are to Abraham and his seed. And the seed, Paul says, is not plural, but singular. The seed, the blessings of Abraham, all 7,000 plus promises in the Bible go to, on to Jesus. And he has this amazing inheritance, incredible, joyful, heavenly inheritance and everybody in Jesus gets the same inheritance as Jesus. Jews and Gentiles alike. And the secret, we're righteousified by what? We're righteousified by faith. And every person has been given the gift of faith. You've been given the gift of faith supernaturally by God. I challenge you today, believe with it. <laughs> Romans 11.5, even then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Application, my friends, 
1 Corinthians 7.14 says about your family, about your children, but now they are holy. Why? Because you have faith. Even if your spouse doesn't have faith, you make your children holy because of your faith and God's covenant is with the family. You can anticipate and expect and have faith for your kids, grandkids, generations ahead, generations to come. Believe God, contend for, because you have been, giving it, been given a huge advantage because of the covenant promise is for you and your children. You and your household shall be saved. You can also have confidence for divine appointments in your life. Because even... even uh, the Bible says in Isaiah that I will be found by those that aren't even looking for me. And God, everything God does, he does through his spirit-filled church on the planet. He, everything he does, he does through you and through me and through spirit, the spirit-filled people of the planet. He does through us. There's divine appointments set up. Yesterday, my friend Michael and I we're sharing the gospel in, at Safeway parking lot. And we started, started sharing the gospel with this young man named Chris. And the first thing he said to me, he said, do you remember me? You talked to me when I was playing basketball over at Hawthorne Park over a year ago. And he said, what you shared with me, I never forgot. He said, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it off and on through this whole year. Now I'm seeing you again. And he said, what you shared was such a blessing, such a help. Gave me hope. We talked a little bit, and he talked about being raised in a religious, hyper-religious family that was actually end up being abusive because they were so legalistic and not a bit of grace involved, just always a threat of the law over their heads. A very abusive, angry father. Hard for him to relate to God as dad because of that, but we ministered to him. We gave him promise. He wasn't ready to commit to Christ, but he took a Gospel of John, promised to read it, and... Uh, and I believe that it was a divine appointment. And I want to encourage you guys that watch out. Be open for business. God will send you business if you're open for business. Have you noticed that with the pandemic, that in order to have business, you've got to be open? But if you are open, God will send you business and the things of God. Going to conclude... This promise that God has given us in terms of, of, of ultimate application for us, this promise of faith is that, well, I'm going to read Romans 5, verse 12 and following, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded, abounded, abounded to many. My friends, you and I, although influenced by Adam's sin and we ourselves have sinned, when we approach God and, and live this life of faith, what we are not doing is having an, a faith for an upgraded Adam experience. We have a whole new life, a second Adam, the resurrection, 
Jesus Christ. He's the second Adam. It's a whole new, we're not giving, doing a revised thing. It's not a self-improvement thing of the old man. We have a brand new man. Anybody in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Some people relate to God as if they are, they relate to God like becoming a Christian is like going through a car wash. Where you go through a car wash and you get your car wash, you, 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 you're driving your clunker through the car wash and you come out as a clean clunker. That's how, that's how many people relate to God and salvation, just like you're a clean clunker. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a still a worse sinner and my life's a mess and uh, I'm trying harder and God's giving me strength. I hope I can prove this old Adam person. God wants to say to you, reckon yourself dead to sin, dead to the old Adam, and life to God. It's the book of Romans. Reckon yourself dead to sin, life to God. You've gone through the car wash as a clunker, and you're coming out as a brand new Ferrari with a Ferrari engine. That's who you are. That's the real you. So roar like a Ferrari, okay? With enthusiasm, optimism, Abundant life. Eve is your, I mean, uh, Eden. The experience of Eden is a symbol of even better things to come because you're blood bought into Jesus, both in heaven eternally and in your personal now as we live this life, this walk by faith. Now, for anyone here, anyone watching on our TV, uh, Channel 11 at 11, or, or through our online um, YouTube channel, new song, Medford, new song, Church Medford. I want to just say the way that you access this new life is to four things, is to recognize there is a God and he adores you, he loves you, he's an amazing dad. Two, you've messed up just like Adam and Eve did. Three, God solved the problem through blood redemption in Jesus Christ. And four, in order to receive the free gift, you've got to call on him to save you. Say a prayer like this. And will you all say this with me here today? Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive all my sins. I call upon you to save me right now. I am saved. I am born again. I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. Now, if you said that for the first time, I want to soberly, urgently, emphatically appeal to you to tell a close Christian friend that you did that today. Text him right now. Call him right now. Let him know. The Bible says you will decree a thing and it will be established to you. They will disciple you into your relationship with Jesus. It's awesome. Stand right now in our audience here in church. Put your hand on your heart. There at home, put your hand on your heart. God, in the name of Jesus, we bless you for the new life you give us. We praise you that you breathed onto us and we became a living soul. And you breathed on us again the anointing of your Holy Spirit and it is a great way to live. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a super week in Jesus Christ.